Hey y'all, Jake Bible here. Thank you for listening to the original podcast recording of Dead Mech that I released way back in 2009. I've had a lot of folks ask for these original recordings, so I thought I'd put them back out there for y'all to enjoy. The episodes will be released weekly for free, but if you don't want to wait, then head over to jakebible.substack.com and subscribe. Links are in the show notes. Paid subscribers receive access to all 26 episodes right now. And that's not all. Subscribers receive access to early release ebooks, getting them before they even go on sale in my online store or any of the retail sites, plus early access to new audiobooks, exclusive short stories, including the weekly Friday Night Drabble Party, live readings, and so much more. That's jakebible.substack.com. Subscribe now and get all the goods. Now, enjoy a little bit of the past. Thank you. You're listening to Jake Bible's Dead Mech, the world's first Drabble novel, written and performed by Jake Bible. This story is available only as a podcast novel and is not for the faint of heart. If you can't stand blood, gore, graphic violence, foul language, cannibalism, zombie hordes, or sexual situations, well then, you aren't invited to this party. For more details and info, go to jakebible.com. Feel free to leave your mark there. It's only fair. Episode 3, Chapter 1, Part 2 Rachel sat up in her cockpit, instinct telling her to watch the horizon. Automatically, she started to strap herself in and activate weapons systems. She watched and waited. Nothing. Knowing better than to trust only her eyes, she dialed up the long-range sensors and pushed them to full spectrum. Nothing. The... There, miles out, something moved. A mech. But whether it was live or dead, she couldn't tell. Not one for drama, she didn't sound the klaxons yet, waiting for a closer look and a little more info. The thing wasn't moving fast, so she figured she had time. Doctor? Commander Caprizi inquired, knocking lightly on Thermopolis's office door. He waited politely for an invitation. Dr. Thermopolis looked up from the medical charts she was reviewing on her tablet. Yes? Oh, Commander, please come in. What can I do for you? Feeling all right? Caprizi chuckled. Yes, I'm fine. I'm here to check on you, actually. Caprizi took a seat in one of the open chairs set before Thermopolis's desk. Thermopolis raised an eyebrow. Me? Yes. Pilot Jespers mentioned you were asking about Foggy Bottom. Anything to do with the coded communique you received this morning? Thermopolis looked away. Hey, what was the name of those vids we watched? Jethro asked, around the screwdriver clenched between his teeth. He pulled it from his mouth, stretching his arm past wires and pistons, trying to reach the right spot. The transmogrifiers? Transformers, Jay responded, reaching from the other side, helping guide Jethro's screwdriver. Right, Transformers. Man, that was some cool shit. Jay stared at his assistant in disbelief. You work on fucking mechs. I'm, I'm pretty sure these are way more cool than that made-up shit. Yeah, but they turned into stuff like boats and cars. Yeah, you got a point. Harlow stood below Masters' mech, manning the initiation console, going over the startup procedure. She checked gauges, then looked up directly at Masters' cockpit. You're all set, pilot. Go kick some deader ass, 
Harlow yelled. Masters cupped a hand to his ear and shook his head. Harlow clicked her calm. I said you're all set. It's the same thing I say every morning. I know, baby. I just like hearing your sweet voice in my ear, Masters cracked. Harlow shook her head, smiling. Get out of here, will ya? Eager for me to leave? No, eager for you to return. Matthew sat in the control tower, built decades before when the UDC expected the mech bases to be bustling hives of activity, mechs coming and going, troops being transported in and out. Movement below caught his eye as Rachel locked her cockpit. The tower was insulated from sound, but he knew she was powering up full systems. Immediately, he scanned the horizon, trying to see what had alarmed her. Hey, what's up, he said, calling Rachel's calm. Mech, can't tell if it's a debtor or not. You watching me again? Busted. I'm off shift until the rookie gets here. June walked into the rec room, hoping Jay had downloaded the new batch of vids. She grabbed some couch and flicked on the wall-sized monitor. She scanned the menu, seeing the same shows she had seen a million times. She clicked off the monitor, depressed. She wondered where Matthew was. Probably watching her again, she thought bitterly. Spoiled mech brat. June stood up, anger and jealousy suddenly motivating her. Fuck this, she thought. She stomped out of the rec room, determined to find Matthew and tell him how she felt. Determined to make him feel the same about her. The bay doors opened wide, allowing Masters' mech to exit the hangar. Watch yourself out there, Harlow buzzed over Masters' calm. Don't worry, sugar. I'm good to go. Not worried about you. I'm worried about your partner today. Rachel? Why? Masters asked. She only sleeps in her mech. A. That's just weird. B. No one can get a good night's sleep in one of those cockpits. If she's fatigued, then she may hesitate when she shouldn't. Just watch yourself. Not to worry, baby. I slept fine last night, rested and ready to wipe the wastelands clean of the debtor menace. It was personal, Dr. Thermopolis said, still avoiding Caprizi's gaze. It was Caprizi's turn to raise an eyebrow. Personal? You don't really expect me to believe that, do you? The doctor considered what to tell Caprizi. The commander waited. I was looking to transfer, to get away from... She gestured about the office, indicating the entire base. All of this. Any particular reason? Caprizi asked kindly. No single reason. It, it's just, well... The isolation, the fear, the violence, the desolation, the lack of any socialization beyond a bunch of mech pilots half out of their minds? Thermopolis laughed, smiling weakly. Matthew climbed the spiral stairs to the tower, having grabbed his binox from his locker, preferring the exertion of the steps over the static hum of the lift. He clicked his comm. Anything? Nope. Still too far out for a decent scan, Rachel's voice buzzed in his ear. Did you get your binox? Yeah, I'm almost to the... Oh, um, hey, June? What's she doing there? Rachel asked, a hint of jealousy marking her words. Hello, Maddie, June said, her voice shaking. Hey, Rach, uh, I'll get back to you, okay? Make it quick, Matthew. Aw, oh, come on, don't be like that. That still doesn't explain why it was coded, Caprizi led. Thermopolis' smile faded quickly, darkness clouding her eyes. It was from an old colleague of mine. He's chief medical officer for Foggy Bottom. She trailed off. Caprizi waited patiently. And? And? Well, he has been seeing some issues with the Reaper chips. Some very alarming issues. He's reported these issues to the UDC. 
Well, that's complicated. Claxons blared, the base sent into full alarm. Caprizi jumped from his seat. We'll continue this later, Doctor. Of course, Commander. Caprizi tapped his comm. Full alert, folks. All staff to stations. Be ready. Approaching mech. This is Pilot Caprizi. Please respond. Rachel waited, but there was no answer. Son of a bitch. Rachel fired up all systems and triple-checked her weapons. She slammed her hand on the console, initiating the base's alarm and defense systems, then started towards the approaching mech. Her calm crackled and Commander Caprizi buzzed in her ear. What you got, baby girl? Her father's voice asked. Not sure. Incoming mech, but can't tell if it's friend or not. It's not responding to my hail. Scanners say it's pretty banged up and power levels are low. Be careful. Will do. Listen, Maddie, there's something I want to say, June said sheepishly. Something I've been meaning to say for a while. Um, can this wait, June? Rach has an incoming mech, and I'm her eyes on this. No, it can't wait for Rachel. Matthew stepped back at the force of June's words. Whoa, whoa, take it easy. Fine, what is it you need to say? June took a deep breath. She couldn't help glancing out the window, down at the mech, down at her. She let out the breath and turned back to Matthew. Before she could speak, klaxons blared. I wish it was more than meets the eye. Then this piece of shit could transform into a mech that worked, Jay yelled at Jethro. How'd you get those vids anyway? asked Jethro, handing Jay the spam driver he, bit he hadn't asked for. Thanks. Uh, some chick I was banging before the dead mechs. Her dad was new media and had a huge vid library. Wow, did he have that talking dog and those kids? Huh? Don't know that one. Never mind. Proximity klaxon shook the hangar. Shit, hope that's one of ours, Jay mumbled. Masters settled his mech next to Rachel's. What you got? Mech, heading straight for us. Looks damaged, Rachel replied, engaging the drive gear. I'm gonna head out there and intercept. If my dad sends more pilots out, then you come join me. Otherwise, stay back and cover the base. Will do, Masters responded, checking his weapons systems and firing up long-range sensors. Rachel started to walk her mech away from the base. Her calm crackled. Hey, where are you going all by yourself, Matthew asked, not bothering to hide his concern. I'm on intercept. Matthew grumbled. Rachel smiled at this. Fucking piece of shit, Bisbee swore, smashing his fist against the calm controls. Far off, he could see the mech base, two mechs standing out front, just dots in the distance. Having a landmark in sight, he adjusted his course, heading for the funeral pyre where he would deposit Stanislaw's body. Regardless of the state of the body, all corpses were deposited at the pyre to be dealt with immediately. It had taken him a couple hours to walk several miles, but the last mile to the pyre was the hardest. Bisbee could feel the fatigue creep into his soul. With the motor drive and gear, Rachel took the opportunity to stretch her legs as much as she could in the tight space of the cockpit. She wanted to be plenty limber if she had to be. The terrain in the general area of the mech base was smooth and maintained, allowing the mechs to move fast when they needed to. Rachel kept an eye on her scanners as she approached the mystery mech. Within seconds, her computer chimed, letting her know it was Bisbee's mech she was seeing. Biz? Come in, Biz! She hailed, hoping he could still hear her. Bisbee struggled to keep his mech going towards the funeral pyre. The hydraulics were quickly breaking down. He wasn't sure if he would make it to the pyre and back into base. Bisbee saw a mech approaching fast, but couldn't tell whose it was. 
He could give a shit who came to greet him as long as they stayed out of his way. In seconds, the mech was close enough for Bisbee to see that it was Rachel coming to intercept him. He immediately launched three flares, red, blue, red, the signal that he was alive, but his calm was down. Rachel walked her mech right up to Bisbee's so they could hear each other. She opened her cockpit and motioned for Bisbee to do the same. He was slow in responding, but eventually he did. Where's Stan? Rachel called out. It was all Bisbee could do to keep his tears in check. He wasn't going to cry in front of another pilot, especially one that he taught himself. Biz! Where is Stan? Rachel called again. Bisbee pointed down towards the auxiliary cargo pocket holding his dead mentor's body. Rachel's eyes swept down, and then she squeezed them close, quickly, understanding. Rachel hailed Caprizi, trying desperately to hold back the sobs. But the second her father's voice came on the comm, she lost all control. Rachel? What's going on out there? Whose mech is that? Caprizi asked, struggling to keep his voice professional. Rachel couldn't answer. Blinded by tears and racked with despair, she stopped her mech, letting Bisbee hobble on without her. Her chest felt empty, yet unbelievably heavy at the same time. It's okay, baby girl, Caprizi soothed, all thoughts of protocol lost. Let it out. Let it all out. St st Stan! Stan! You're with Stan? St Stan's gone, Daddy! Rachel wailed. Despite the massive damage his mech had sustained, Bisbee was able to retrieve Stanislaw's body from the auxiliary cargo and place it gently upon the concrete pyre. He stood there, man and machine, man as machine, staring at a corpse that was no longer his friend, but just so much flesh to be burned, to be turned to ash. Bisbee let a tear fall from his right eye, but wiped it away quickly. He switched his gaze to the direction he had come from, making himself a promise he would find one arm and destroy the debtor or die trying. Watching Bisbee approach, Rachel gave him a thumbs up and motioned towards the base. She hoped she was far enough away that he couldn't see her grief-ravaged face. Bisbee's mech returned the thumbs up, the metal protesting. Pilot Caprizi to base. We're heading in, Rachel called over her comm, using every effort to keep her voice from shaking. Stanislaw's body has been placed on the pyre. We'll need to get a watch on it right away in case there are zombies in the area. Will do, her father responded, back to professional. Just get yourself and Biz back here. Masters? Caprizi called. Yeah, Commander. Masters responded over his comm, still in his mech, watching his sensors as the two far-off mechs made their way slowly to base. We're going to need a detail out at the pyre, Caprizi stated. Bring your mech in and grab Matthew. I need you both out there ASAP. Sure thing, Commander, Masters responded, hesitating slightly. Yes, Masters? Whose mech is that coming back with Rachel? Bisbee's. Masters didn't need Caprizi to elaborate. He knew whose body he and Matthew would find out on the pyre. Mech returning to hangar, Masters called over his comm. The two mechs walked back to the base, Rachel hanging back in order to keep pace with Bisbee's damaged machine. Groans of protest, smoke and sparks escaped the battle-ravaged mech. Neither spoke, not that they could be heard over the clanging and grating the mechs made, but even if Bisbee's calm worked, they would have remained silent. Stanislaw meant too much to both of them for either to keep it together if they spoke of what happened. Rachel was patient enough to wait until they were back in the hangar and Bisbee had made his report to the commander. Half the base staff stood at the hangar bay doors, watching as Bisbee and Rachel drew closer. 
Is that Bisbee or Stanislaw? June whispered to Matthew. I don't know. They're too far out, Matthew responded. Jay came up behind them, appraising the approaching mechs. That's Biz. He turned and strode back to whatever he had been working on. How do you know? June called after him. The mech pilots in attendance each gave her a look of annoyance. June bristled at their stares. What? It's a logical question. They have to be at least 200 yards out. All looked away. Everyone cleared from the hangar doors as Masters brought his mech in for docking. He powered it down and popped open the cockpit. Hey, Maddie! he called down below, undoing the straps holding him in place. Matthew, about to leave the hangar and head back to the control tower, stopped and turned. Yeah? Caprizi wants us on pyre duty. All heads in the hangar turned to look at Matthew. He met everyone's gaze, taking in their better-you-than-me looks. Gotcha. I'll round up the gear while you get your mech settled, Matthew called up to Masters. Thanks, man. Rachel maneuvered her mech into its previous post as Bisbee's lone mech lumbered into the hangar. She fought hard to keep the tears back, but it was a losing battle. She sobbed uncontrollably, wrapping her arms about herself as she rocked in the cockpit. Her calm buzzed and she struggled to pull herself together. Hey, you okay? Matthew's voice crackled. She sucked back tears, choking a bit. No, Maddie, I'm not, she whispered. What happened? Where's Stan? I don't know what happened. Biz wouldn't say, she responded between hiccups. And Stan? Rachel squeezed her eyes shut. He's on the pyre. Jethro pulled his head away from the cockpit, face scrunched in disgust. Jesus, Bisbee, did you shit yourself? Bisbee climbed down the last few rungs on his mech's right leg, glaring up at Jethro. Just fix the goddamn targeter. I was shooting by feel, which totally wasted ammo and cut things way too fucking close. Jethro heard the tone in Bisbee's voice, knowing he was right. Bisbee did shit his pants. Must have gotten pretty bad out there. Everyone coming back today? Jethro asked, ignoring the stench and climbing fully into the mech's cockpit. No, Jethro. They aren't. Can you give me a ride out there? Dr. Thermopolis asked, approaching Matthew and Masters as they climbed into the ATV. Sure thing, Doc. We're just heading out to keep watch on the body, Matthew responded. The doctor climbed into the back of the ATV as Masters fired up the engines. Matthew double-checked the auto carbine's clips, stowing his and Masters' in the rack between the front seats. Masters gunned the engine and the ATV burst from the hangar. Thermopolis hung on, white-knuckled, as they sped over the earthen terrain, past Rachel's mech, heading out to the funeral pyre. Bisbee let the water run over him, washing the filth from his body. Biz? Harlow's voice called from the shower room door. You in here? Bisbee didn't respond. Caprizi's looking for you, Harlow continued. He's pretty pissed you didn't report to him before cleaning up. Bisbee sighed. Tell him I'll be right there. Harlow stayed put. Did he suffer? Bisbee tensed. Yes, Harlow, he suffered. But only until he blew his own brains out. Bisbee shut off the water, grabbed a towel, and pushed past Harlow. Harlow slumped against the wall, slowly lowering to the floor, fighting back the tears. The ATV skidded to a halt, kicking up sand and dirt, coating the pyre in Stanislaw's body. Jesus, Masters, show some fucking respect, Matthew yelled. Don't even start with me, Jespers, Masters barked, grabbing his carbine as he climbed from the ATV. He offered Thermopolis a hand. Thanks, she muttered, still shook up by the wild ride from the base. Thermopolis started towards the corpse. 
Matthew grabbed his carbine and followed, Masters right behind him. You worried Bisbee was wrong? That Stan might come back? Matthew asked Themopolis. When the three saw the body, they knew Stanislaw wasn't coming back. I am positive that you know debriefing protocol is to see me before you shower, pilot, Caprizi growled at Bisbee as the pilot stood at attention. The sooner you report, the less you forget. With all due respect, sir, I'll never forget today, Bisbee responded through clenched teeth, his anger barely contained. I do not doubt that, pilot, but that is not your call to make, understand me? Bisbee ground his teeth together, trying to hold his tongue. I asked if you understand. I shit my fucking suit, sir! Bisbee roared at Caprizi. Stunned, Caprizi sat down in his chair. Dr. Thermopolis didn't bother opening her medical kit. She knew the cause of death. Masters looked over her shoulder, grimacing at the sight. Did he do that? Masters asked. It appears so. I'd say cause of death was a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. The fuck happened out there? I'm sure we'll all find out soon enough once Bisbee makes his report to the commander. Must have been some crazy shit to take out Stanislaw. Hey guys, Matthew called, a few feet from Masters and Thermopolis. Masters turned, raising his rifle. What you got, Matty? Incoming. Half mile out. Bisbee, seated in front of Caprizi's desk, lifted his head from his hands, eyes burning. That's it. Caprizi, fingers steepled in front of him, sighed. That's not good. Uncontrollably, Bisbee laughed. A short, harsh bark of a laugh. You think? What I mean, Biz, Caprizi stood, is that the behavior the debtor was exhibiting sounds frightening like adaptation. Bisbee watched as the commander paused, then continued. The zombies have some reasoning ability, but no impulse control. They don't hesitate. Sir? Bisbee asked, exhaustion fighting for his mind. Hmm? Caprizi muttered, lost in thought. Stanislaw? Reality ripped Caprizi from his musing. My God, how did they get here so fast? Masters called out, placing a fresh clip in his carbine and taking aim. He squeezed the trigger, watching as several yards away three zombie heads exploded. Matthew flung a grenade at the approaching undead, hoping his timing was right. Within a second, the grenade exploded, sending pieces of zombies high into the air. He looked behind him back towards the base. He tapped his comm. Hey, Rage? Sure could use some help out here, he said, staring at the unmoving mech still positioned by the hangar. Hey, Rage? You in there? Rage? Rachel! Matthew shouted over his comm. Rachel pulled herself from her grief. What, Maddie? She answered weakly. Um, are you watching this at all? Matthew continued shouting. We're about to get overrun here. Rachel shook her head violently, painfully. She checked her scanners and gasped. Oh, God, I I'm so sorry. I I'll be there in a minute. She set her mech to full power, not bothering with the motor drive, and began to run the thing towards the pyre. Hold on. That's the idea. Hurry, please. Rachel quickly shoved the idea of losing Matthew, also, out of her mind. She's on her way, Matthew shouted to Masters and the doctor, barely heard over the concussions from the carbines. What can I do? Thermopolis yelled. Grab the ammo bag from the ATV, Masters yelled back. Pull out all the loaded clips. He squeezed the trigger. More zombies fell. Toss a fresh one to us when we call out. Fill the empty ones we toss back to you. Thermopolis dashed to the ATV and grabbed the bag. 
nearly pulling her shoulder out of socket from the weight. She dragged the bag closer to Matthew and Masters. Okay, I I'm ready, she called. Rachel's mech ran past the funeral pyre, not bothering to wait for Masters and Matthew to stop firing. Bullets ricocheted off the battle machine's frame. Matthew, Masters, and Thermopolis watched in awe as Rachel ran her mech into the middle of the dozens of zombies still left. Furious, she lifted her metal fists and smashed down, crushing the undead beneath her. She did the same with her massive feet, mashing the creatures into pulp. Within seconds, all was still. Rachel's chest heaved, then seized. Far away, Matthew's voice called to her, but it all went black before she could respond. Commander? Harlow called over the comm. Yes, Harlow, Caprizi responded, walking with Bisbee from his office. What you got? Looks like company may have followed Bisbee. Caprizi glanced at Biz and narrowed his eyes. Wasn't aware of that. How far out? At the funeral pyre. Sounds like Rachel came in and saved my boy's ass, but... Caprizi stopped. Bisbee did also, waiting, not privy to the conversation. But what? Harlow hesitated. Well, sir, it sounds like Rachel may have passed out. Want me out there? I want everyone out there. Get the transport ready and get the staff loaded up. Matthew lowered Rachel's unconscious form to the ground, having just retrieved her from the cockpit. Holy crap, he gasped, slumping to the ground from the exertion. Checking Rachel's pulse while pulling back an eyelid, Dr. Thermopolis turned to Masters. Your turn to help. Hand me my bag. Masters grabbed the med bag next to the pyre and handed it to Thermopolis. She shook her head. No, I, I need you to pull out the injector and grab the small red vial in the side pouch. Masters did as he was told. Matthew rolled onto his side to get a better view. Jay manned the transport controls, powered up the vehicle, and checked the instrument panels. Ready to go, Commander. Caprizi did a quick head count. All right, Jay, we're all loaded. Take us out there. Gotcha. Caprizi clicked his comm. Matthew? Yes, sir, Matthew responded, still sounding winded. We are on our way. How's my girl? There was a slight pause. She's coming around now, sir. Doc says she'll be fine. Good to hear. Site secure? Yes, sir. Your girl took care of that. Excellent. We'll be there in just a moment. Breezy severed the communication as the transport left the hangar. Matthew helped Rachel to her feet. She wobbled a little, but stayed upright. Easy now, Matthew said. Rachel smiled at him weakly, gently removing his hand from her arm. I'm fine. I got this, Rachel responded. Take these, Dr. Thermopolis ordered, handing Rachel two red pills. What are those, Masters asked. Just some energy pills. They'll give her a boost and also maintain her blood sugar. Blood sugar, Matthew asked. Thermopolis turned to Rachel. I am assuming all you had for breakfast was coffee? Rachel nodded. Just like every morning. Yes, well, this wasn't like every morning, now was it? Dr. Thermopolis and the pilot stood at attention as the transport pulled up. The side door opened and the base staff exited, forming a semicircle around the pyre. Caprizi exited last. He placed himself opposite the semicircle on the other side of the pyre. Caprizi nodded and Jay lifted a small bag labeled flammable that lay by his feet. He stepped to the pyre and shook the contents out around Stanislaw's body. Small briquettes tumbled from the bag and scattered across Stanislaw's corpse. Jay stood back as Caprizi lifted a torch from the ground and lit it. Several sobbed quietly. This is a tragedy, 
Caprizi stated solemnly. He looked at each of the pilots' faces, trying to gauge which wouldn't cope with their grief. Stanislaw was a good man, a good pilot, and a dear friend. Some of the attendees sniffed. A few brushed away tears. Most stood stone-faced, burying their pain deep down. Bisbee's face raged. Today we set a colleague free. We send his soul above and make sure his body stays at rest. Commander Caprizi lifted the torch to the pyre, lighting the briquettes and setting the platform and what was left of Stanislaw's body ablaze. The base crew each said their goodbyes to Stanislaw as the body became ash and the ash became smoke, adding to the trillions and trillions of particulates of burnt, dead heroes already floating in the atmosphere. When the train whooshed by, no one turned to look. No one cared about supplies and requisitions, news and gossip from the city-states, or some dumb rookie thinking he won the lottery and was on his way to glory. No one could take their eyes off the now smoldering pyre and the scorched pieces of melted metal that was once part of Stanislaw's uniform. As per tradition and out of respect for our lost friend and comrade, we will walk back to base. Jay, you bring back Rachel's mech, Caprizi ordered. Yes, sir. Sir, if I may, Thermopolis interrupted. Yes, doctor. In my professional opinion, I think Pilot Caprizi would do better catching a ride back to base in the transport, just to be safe. I'm fine, Rachel said quickly. For now, but I'd hate to have you relapse. Rachel crossed her arms, setting her feet firmly. Caprizi noted his daughter's stance. Noted, Doctor, but I think a walk is just what she needs. The rookie stood and stretched as the train came to a halt. He looked at his bloodied hands and broken fingernails, barely believing what he'd just been through. His body was exhausted, but his mind raced, going over and over the mock attack. The pilot and co-pilot had called him back on the comm when the test was over to congratulate him on a job well done. They both said they hadn't seen anyone figure out how to get out of the train car that fast before. Ever. A car door opened and the rookie confidently stepped out onto the platform. Stanislaw's voice echoed through Bisbee's fatigued brain. He shook his head violently, trying to dislodge the ghostly murmurs. You okay, Biz? June asked, placing a hand on his elbow as they walked back to base. Bisbee didn't answer as he glanced sideways at her, his haunted eyes rimmed with dark circles. She squeezed his arm. Of course you're not. Sorry. Everyone's right. I, I do say stupid stuff all the time, June said. I'm here, though, if you need to talk. Bisbee smiled wanly and patted June's hand. She smiled back and let Bisbee move on ahead, giving him his space. Looks like a funeral, the train's pilot said, stepping past the rookie. Wonder what happened, the rookie mused aloud, shielding his eyes from the sun, trying to see into the distance. Someone died, genius, the co-pilot quipped. Happens a lot out here in the waste. The rookie turned to the co-pilot. Mostly mech drivers? Pilots, boy. They are pilots. You get calling them drivers, and it'll be your corpse getting grilled out there. Right, pilots. But is it? Mostly mech pilots that die? Listen, kid. You need to learn that death is everyone's bunkmate out in the waste. Probably not the best day for a rookie to arrive, Caprizi said, walking arm in arm with Rachel. I disagree. It's probably the best day for him to arrive. No illusions as to what it's like out here, Rachel responded. They walked along in silence for a moment, Rachel kicking stones with her boots, the commander staring at the base, at his base, lost in thought. 
Have any idea who you want to mentor the rookie? Rachel asked, knowing it wasn't the most appropriate thing to say, but she couldn't take the silence anymore. Yep. And... You, baby girl. Rachel nodded. Good luck, kid, the pilot said, shaking the rookie's hand. You're not staying? Nope, the co-pilot answered, shaking the rookie's hand as well. We're all fueled up. As soon as they all clear off, we'll be gone. The co-pilot motioned towards the group coming up the tracks. We've got two days of wasteland to cover. The sooner the better. Two? The rookie asked. It took four. The pilot laughed. The test was four. The trip was two. Better get used to things not being what they seem out here. Thanks, I will, the rookie muttered as the train's door shut. The rookie watched from the train platform as the base crew slowly walked back up the tracks, smoke from the pyre reaching towards the sky behind them. The first pilot to reach him was Bisbee, and the rookie stepped off the platform, hand outstretched. Hey there, I'm... But his greeting was cut short by Bisbee's right fist connecting with his jaw. The world spun, and the rookie took a header to the ground. I don't give a fuck what your name is, rookie, was the last thing the rookie heard before his world went black and the pain became darkness. You have been listening to Jake Bible's Dead Mech, the world's first Drabble novel. The preceding episode was recorded and produced by the author. The intro music was Miles and Miles by Lake Acres. Outro music is Destroy by The Eternal. Both tracks available at podsafeaudio.com. Title graphic by Ed Delaney. Find him at peculiarcomics.com. This recording is protected by a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works United States 3.0 license. You can share it, copy it, and give it to anyone you want. Just don't edit it, change it, or try to make any money off it without direct permission from the author. Thank you for listening. My head is spinning. Thank you for listening to this episode of the re-release of the original podcast of Dead Mech. Don't want to wait until next week for a new episode? Go subscribe at jakebible.substack.com and you'll get access to all episodes right now. Or you can go to my website or any major retailer and get the audiobook narrated by Julie Hoverson. You can also get the ebook, which is free on all major retailer sites, as well as my own store. Go to jakebible.com for more info. Thanks, y'all. Cheers.